Welcome everyone to another Labs Open Office Hour. Today we're joined by Matt Bach, our Senior Labs Technician and Resident Adobe Creative Cloud Hardware Expert. I think that's and, accurate, and yeah. some black magic stuff. We, oh, there's, yeah, that's quite a bit resolve. of a resolve as well, yeah. There's a bit of resolve in there, so that's cool. Um, welcome, everyone, and thank you, Matt, for joining us today. Um, so this will be, I think, our, your second or third time uh, on, on the show. I think we've finally kind of come back around to our normal pattern, and um, it will be interesting to see what's changed in the last few like months or month. so. <laughs> yeah, it's, been it's been about, about a, month, a month, I think. Yeah. <laughs> a month and a week but, or two. <laughs> but, I mean, things can... Things can change, I mean, in a week, really. Um, it, all it takes is some strange software mm -hmm. update or somebody releasing some sort of software or uh, hardware and the whole the whole game has changed. So um, yeah, actually, let's start there. Like, is there anything interesting, anything new? Uh, oh, I, I, saw, I saw you had an update to the Puget Bench benchmark. Oh yeah, 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 I did. It's, it's a very unexciting update. <laughs> there, there's nothing really like functional that people will care about. Um, all it is is, well, I mean, I, whatever, I'm going to say a little bit. Uh, I figured out finally how to uh, include NPM packages into right. the benchmark, which means I can use Node WMI instead of command line for gathering system specs. Oh, so okay. yeah, all, all you video editors out there, <laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah, but awesome. no, it's basically just cleans up some stuff that should make it so that we get less emissions where like the specs are unknown. Oh, that, that's, cool. all, that's all it really is. So it should be better. Um, I, yeah. I guess, I mean, there is one good thing that I included, though. Uh, now we're logging video card drivers and motherboard okay. BIOS versions, which oh, neat. can be really, really good. Uh, I mean, we've seen it in the past, like people ask, well, this new video card driver NVIDIA says it's so much faster. And now we'll be able to just like, well, here's the one with a new one and here's one with the old and see rather than like really having to spend a ton of time because yeah that, that's one and like adobe's been really pushing on making sure people use the latest video card drivers all the time oh, too. sure uh but their whole system compatibility report and all that so hopefully this will just be another tool to see like oh this person had a benchmark uploaded and it was low but oh man there is a really old video card driver maybe that's it so hmm. it, it's just you know little small iterations hopefully sure. that'll uh, get better that's cool though. I mean, and I know that sometimes that can make a huge difference. Like we were having some, uh, I think it was with 3ds Max. There was a, an issue with video drivers and things like that. So, yeah, it can make it can make a big difference just going from one. It, it can either break it or make it better. Yeah, getting, uh, and usually, <laughs> at least with like the Adobe stuff that I've seen, it's usually not a newer video card driver is going to make performance better, but it will make stability better. So oh, I think that's the biggest thing, though, is like, how often does a Premiere Pro crash? Well, if you're using an old video driver, it, sometimes if you're using the newest video card driver, that'll also make it be worse. <laughs> it you always gotta, you gotta find that right in between where like, okay, what's the latest video card driver that's stable? Right, um, luckily right. with NVIDIA doing their whole like studio drivers, it's kind of better. There, there's still some times where you know, <laughs> release a new studio driver and it's you know broken, but You're right. better. That's, that always that always makes me curious. Like when I'll see you know just just bug fixes without any sort of specific. It's like, well, what what did you guys do? Like what yeah. was going on? Well, uh, usually Nvidia actually, if you dive into their like their PDFs of their release notes, mm -hmm. um, not just what's on you know like Nvidia.com, those usually have some decent notes in there. They're still just like miscellaneous bug fixes. Yeah. Although honestly, I will admit that if you look at like our benchmark update notes. I almost <laughs> always have that too, just like miscellaneous bugs and improvements, just because like, oh, while I was fixing this other thing, I noticed this one little thing. Oh, okay, I'll fix that. And I don't remember what it was. Increased stability. Yeah, yeah. I know I, I did. I did a bunch of other little things, but I didn't write down what they were, so I don't remember. <laughs> so. That's always cool. Um, I have to say, I've been enjoying, and this this goes for all of labs in general. But I have, I've personally been enjoying the best of. Uh, series of articles. I think that's been really cool because, like, um, something I've noticed as, as part of my work in in social media is is oftentimes it's it's hard to distill. We we gather so much data. We go so in depth into all of the testing and stuff. It's it's sometimes difficult to pull out the 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 really important nugget, like the question of like, well, just how much faster is this going to be? Like, how how what. You know, um, and so it's really cool that I, to see those sort of, those articles coming at you from you guys. It just kind of helps distill it down. Just 
this is what works. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of weird because, or not weird, but because we already have like our recommended systems that kind of do that. Mm -hmm. But those ones still are like, okay, well, here's a couple of starting points. And then there's another, like you can choose between three CPUs or four GPUs. And like, you can't make a wrong choice. That's the whole right. point of the recommended systems. But still, like if someone just wants to like, you know, a good, better, best kind of option here. I'll, for the people who don't know what we're talking about here, I'll, I'll uh, bring it up. Hopefully people can see this. Uh, so like, this is our uh, one for Premiere Pro. And we're trying to label mm -hmm. them as like, you know, summer 2020 so that, you know, because it's going to get outdated fast. Right. Um, but in this case, we just did a good, better, and best. And so you can go in and just like, okay, well, here's our kind of a good recommendation, you know, how much it'll kind of run you. And we kind of try to do it by tiers of pricing, kind of. In this yeah. case, it kind of also winds up with like, well, if you're, are you doing just 4K editing or 6K editing? Um, so like in this case, like it's a $3,000 system, a 5,000 and a 7,000. And each one, it tells you like it's roughly, in this case, roughly 20% faster than the better configuration. And right. it's just... And like, you know, that's a totally generic thing because, well, are you working with H.264 or Red or are you doing VFX work? Like, it's it's totally a, I don't want to say arbitrary or meaningless <laughs> number, but it's definitely like an average. So it's not going to sure. work for everyone, but it's still just to give you an idea of what kind of configuration you want to be working with. And I think it just helps give people a better starting point. Like, okay, well, I know I'm in the around the $7,000 range. So let's start with this one. It's, it's got it already filled out. Um, you know, it's roughly the right price already. And then you can, you can do some small tweaks from there. Maybe, you know, you need more storage or you're using a NAS, so you don't need as much storage, but still right. it just gives them a little bit better of a starting point. And at some point, I know we need to kind of integrate that into our recommended systems because like, why don't we have, like, it's tough because like on these kind of pages, oftentimes you're trying to hit like budget limits. It's a whole marketing thing. Like sure. it's a whole like, you know, $99 versus a hundred dollars. Right. And like, you kind of have to play those games. Sometimes mm -hmm. we try to avoid those as much as we can, but sometimes you got to do that. Right. Um, versus, well, you know, the good, better, best just lets us just, here it is. Right. And I think too, depending on, on the software package, um, it, it really does kind of come down to, um, just what what you're trying to accomplish you yeah know, if the 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 kind of prosumer youtuber who might be only working in 4k like footage to get it onto youtube at 1080p isn't going to need the 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 best system and so yeah. there's there's that kind of uh, juggle to maintain as well yeah, and into the future, hopefully, I, I don't know the right approach to this, man, we've been talking about it a whole lot, is mixed workflows. Oh, like How sure. many video editors spend all of their time in Premiere? Like, probably not very many. Yeah. <laughs> They're also going to be working in Photoshop or After Effects or oftentimes Resolve. And then, right, but right. doing those mixed workflows, I don't know if there's even honestly a solution beyond just talk to one of our consultants and they can help you figure it out because like even if you're just looking at like those four applications together that's how it's many huge. different combinations uh it's, is, is that four four to the fourth or is that four times three times two i forget how it was. Uh, it's a yeah. lot <laughs> it's a lot of different configurations at least and that's at just least like if 16. it's an equal right Yes, but that, and that's only if it's like equal, you care like 25% each way. Most people are like, well, I care mostly about Premiere, but I also, I really hate it when I'm in After Effects and it's terrible. So like, I'd rather make sure it's <laughs> also really good for that, even though I spend only 10% of my time there. So I I don't know if there is going to be a way for us like on our website to have a solution for that, but. Yeah, that's going to be hard. Yeah. But uh, that's what, yeah, it's just so, it's so fuzzy that it, the yeah. best thing to do is, is have those kind of conversations for sure. Yeah. So. I'm trying to think huh. of what else has kind of like changed since the last time we did this. Um, well, on a hardware side, AMD mm -hmm. released their uh, Ryzen XT CPUs. Right, right. And, and Intel released their 10850K CPU. Man, <laughs> those were... I think the most lackluster hardware launches we've like ever seen. Well, yeah, especially when the uh, the Intel offering was 
what, like 200 megahertz slower? Slower. Although that one, I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Because Intel, uh, the 10900K, the supply is not keeping up with demand. Oh, wow. I think that makes sense because they can launch a lower end SKU, a slightly lower end, and that Mm. just lets them basically sell off the the chips that didn't quite make binning for the 10900K. Because, I mean, how Intel works is, oh, and AMD, NVIDIA probably too. Uh, They like built, make a whole bunch of chips. And then like, if, you know, they start off with 10 cores, like the 10900K, and if one of those cores is bad, they just turn it and another one off. And now it's an eight core model and they turn that into a 10700K. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing the same thing with like frequency. So these are like 10900Ks that didn't quite meet their like stability or reli- reliability um, metrics to like run at the full speed of a 10900K. So they just turn it down a little bit. And now you can buy it as a 10850K and it alleviates the supply issues. Yeah. And it gives. And, you know, and they're charging slightly less for it, so it's not like you're getting you know less for your money. Um, That's nice. If anything, you're getting more for your money because the performance difference is almost nothing, and it's like forty bucks cheaper. So. Yeah, yeah. I think you were saying it's like almost within margin of error, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, like all this. It's stuff. like it could. You might. As, it might as well be equal for all. Yeah. And that, that's why, like, for our systems, I think that's just like the backup. I mean, we're obviously going to refund our customers that the price difference, but sure. it's really it's 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 the same thing. And that's why I think the AMD's Ryzen XTs are like more of a head scratcher because they're like 100 megahertz faster, which 100 megahertz is nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and they're charging a premium for it. So, like, okay, you can pay more money. And like maybe you'll get a percent, but like you know, it's it's a percent. Like you're you can't really tell. Are you gonna be able to tell the difference between playing back your media at 30 FPS or 30.1 FPS or whatever right. it is? Like no. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's 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 such a weird launch. And like we, we published some articles out, like, but we kind of grouped them together. I didn't do one for Premiere and After Effects and Photoshop and Lightroom. I said uh, Adobe CC because the right. answer is it's the same. And I didn't want to write it's the same five times over <laughs> in a bunch of articles. Right. So, but I think that's really like the only real like hardware thing that's happened in the last little bit. I mean, we've got stuff coming up. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. NVIDIA's at some point launching some new video cards. Right. Uh, I, I think actually there was even a question about that, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. But yeah, I mean, those new video cards at some point, <laughs> I, everything's all NDA and so like, there's, there's very little of it, you know, public yeah. to talk about it at all. But. but so actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because we do have a question from uh, from YouTube. P. Glazer, uh, he says, hey, guys, for 10th gen Intel, you've made uh, you've only made K, the 125 watt TDP chips available. Any thought to offer lower TDP chips for a Serenity build because of the lower cooling demands? Or is that too much of a performance hit? Uh, first of all, TV, TDP is stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, TDP is the most useless spec, or TDP or TDW, whatever you want to sure. like AMD, Intel, they all, even like video cards now, because uh, TDP is the power draw at base clock. which nothing ever runs at base clock. If it's not being put under heavy load, it's going to speed step down or whatever AMD calls it down to, you know, really low speeds. And if you do put any load on it, it's going to turbo and, you know, go up to really high speeds depending on how many cores you're using. And (laughs) so like, yeah, TDP, I I think it's a marketing spec. Like there's no way that the, um, like all of the X series CPUs from Intel are all the same TDP. Like, no, it's it's just not possible. Um, and especially like if you actually run it and you like look at your power draw or cooling, like no, it's it's totally not the same. Right. Um, I wish someone would come up with a better power draw metric. Um, but really, all we have to do, go with right now is like Tom's hardware does a good job, or Nantech does a good job at like measuring power draw. Right. Um, but I think like. Okay, get it beyond the TDP rank. <laughs> the, the actual question is like using lower end chips uh, and like Serenity builds and stuff. Um, and I mean, we kind of do. I mean, we allow the 10700K, um, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, but really for us, like 
the kind of needs of our customers, we basically find that the 10700K is like the cutoff of good enough, I, I guess, for a lot of people. Once you go below that, the performance drop just becomes more and more significant. Uh, because it's really a like diminishing returns is really what it is. Like the more money you pay, it's diminishing returns. But that means that at that lower price bracket and like the zero to $150 price bracket, every step up you go is pretty big pretty and significant. Big, big change, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for us, it just works out that the 10700K or on like the AMD side, it's like, I think we, do we go down to the 3700X or is it just the 3800X? I can't remember which. Um, but let's see, Serenity. Oh, I don't think it's on Serenity. Um, oh. It would just have to be on any of the uh, Ryzen systems. But uh, but either way, like there's that point where like, man, those significant performance jumps stop happening um, quite to the same degree. Right. And right now it's just the 10700K and we could offer lower, but it's also kind of a... Oh man, this is getting into kind of like business stuff, not really a content oh, sure. or, or but I mean, whatever. Um, but it's it's kind of also for us, if we go too low end, it's really, really hard for us to, um, I mean, I guess the way to say it is to have enough margin or enough, it's not really profit, but revenue for us to like be able to offer the same level of like service, you know, sure. whether it's the pre, pre-sale, post-sale, during the sale, like the production. Um, that's why generally we don't have those kind of like lower end kind of parts. It's just because we can't do that and offer the same level of service. Yeah, um, I think it's, I think a, a big part of it also comes down to just, um, I mean, it's a combination of, of a few factors. It's um, kind of like you said about uh, the different combinations. If you add just one one processor difference, that's now how many different configurations can can spread oh, yeah. out from that. that. There's there's inventory. There's there's a- acquisition and uh, you know so it's it's one one little change like that causes a ripple across everything. So <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, here's a here's kind of a, a good opinion question. Is there any reason to upgrade from a 9900K to like a 10900K? Yeah, let's say the big uh, the big leap there. Yeah. Oh man, I don't remember. <laughs> There's so many numbers. I think it's I think it's like 10 percent if I if I'm remembering right. That's that's a pretty decent jump. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find. I always have to look up my own articles because I never remember absolutely <laughs> everything. It's too much data. There's so yeah, much. It's too much. Let's see. Uh, let's see. 10900K. I, I'm just going to go with Premiere. It's pretty like general. That's good. Let's see. 9900K to 10900K going from 717 to 778. 717 to 8%. So it's, 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 I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a hard question. Like is 8% going to make a big difference? Yeah. I don't know. Like, like in terms of like life playback. So I'm, I'm going to kind of assume here we're talking about like video editing, right? Uh, but I mean, we could talk about other things if it was actually something else. Um, but like 8% for like life playback, that's really not going to make the difference between my playback is stuttery or my mm-hmm. playback is buttery smooth. It like might make the stutteriness a little bit better, but it's probably still going to stutter. Uh, sure. And if your playback's already buttery smooth, well, you don't need that extra performance. So I think eight percent or ten percent or so, if like export performance is a concern, yeah, great. Let's say you can make a let's difference. Say renders, let's yeah, say like renders. renders and stuff, mm-hmm. or even like uh, ingesting of media and all that kind of stuff, or transcoding or proxies. Yeah, it can it can make a little bit of a, a difference, a noticeable difference. But like for like live stuff, probably not going to be a big difference. There we go. Um, yeah, it's probably generally like myself. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say myself because I, I skip like four <laughs> generations between upgrades. Right, and like same. <laughs> but uh, I think most people like professionally working. I think 
Going up one generation is almost never going to be worth it. Right. Two can be, depending on the kind of like performance improvements we saw. Like going from first gen Ryzen to third gen Ryzen is amazing. Oh, huge! Even yeah. first gen Ryzen to second gen Ryzen was was pretty big. Um, yeah. But I think for most people, you got to wait at least two generations, oftentimes three. Um, but it it all comes down to like how much your money, your time is worth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have some customers where they say, Hey, you give me 5%, I'll buy, you know, a hundred thousand, right. well, maybe not a hundred thousand. I can, I can, I can wish it was a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they, they might say like, I want to know when there's like a 5% bump. Well, and cause like them, those, those minutes add up. Um, yeah. I was, I kind of touched on that with, um, Chris Clements the other day about, I mean, his his improvement was massively significant. It was like 10 times faster, like literally 10 times faster. But um, when you think about, he was talking about like, when you think about, man, how much time did I lose in, in the last three, four years <laughs> waiting for my renders to happen that were taking an hour plus and when they could have been taking 10, 15, 20 minutes and how much how much more could i have accomplished how much time how much money because that yeah. always ends up being the case like it sometimes especially as you go up up the um just complexity and things the the bigger the customer the bigger the project minutes can be thousands of dollars so well it, it, and for some people like being able to say i can finish this job a bit faster than someone else means that they'll get that job. So it, it actually can mean that you're going to get more business if you can say, I can do this faster or more reliably, yeah. re reliably, because like, you know, your system's not going to crash or whatever. Right. And just like frustration. Uh, yeah. Like one of the most, the things that people always want to know about, I'm going to switch over to like a photo editing here a little bit. Sure. It applies to everything is like in Lightroom say, they don't oftentimes care about the export performance. What they care about is like, I'm using my brush and like drawing things, you know, doing corrections or I'm moving the sliders. And these right. are things that take a fraction of a second, but if you can make that a little bit smoother, a little bit less clunky, that just makes like them be more in the zone a lot easier. It doesn't take them out of the zone when like, it's not as significant as like the application crashing, but they don't have to like think about it. It's not, it's just a tool that they're using rather than something they're fighting against. Yeah. So in those cases, that's a, like, that's a good point. Yeah. And you know, if you have like an editor on staff and you're paying them, you know, 120,000, you know, $120,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's a like $5,000 workstation if they can be a little bit more productive. Yeah. That's, yeah. So for those people, you know, it's like, <laughs> they don't care what the money is. Like right. they just want the best and they constantly want to be at the best so that they can, those people that they're paying so much money for can just like be as efficient as possible. I mean, we even have done that kind of around our office, not with our computers oh, yeah. as much, but like uh, we invested in IPK VMs for our, all, like all of our test beds and labs so yeah. that we can remote the access. Like those things are not cheap. They're like 500 bucks each and we're putting on every single test bed. But like, that <laughs> means that now like I can do stuff from home, which I mean, right now is very important. Yeah. But yeah. also like even normally it would mean that like, oh, if I got like a notification that like, oh, this benchmark broke, you know, I can just like hop on from home, you know, and five minutes, fix it, hit go again. And rather than waiting until the next day and coming in and like being able to fix it and start the benchmark again, it'll be done when I come in the next day. Like, it, you know, that's a very significant kind of a, an upgrade with very tangible benefits, but same thing with like computer. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, oh man, we have, we're doing really good with questions. So uh, this one's from Twitch. Uh, Jay Chamberlain asks, uh, in Premiere, editing 4K video with minimal effects applied, do you think it would be worth upgrading from 32 to 64 gigabytes of RAM? RAM, pro probably not. RAM is one of those things that like, you have enough or you don't. <laughs> and that, that's, that's really all it is. Uh, sure. So the only thing I would check, because um, estimating how much RAM you need is really, really, really hard. Uh, let's see, what, what do we say for RAM? What do we recommend? It feels like 32 seems to be the the, the good spot across yeah, so, everything so, these days. Yeah, I mean, you said 4K, right? Yes. 
Yeah, so 4K, we do generally recommend 64 gigs. Uh, generally on RAM, though, we aim a bit high because you never know, like, well, how many Chrome tabs are they going to have open? Right. <laughs> uh, so usually, like, if people really want to figure out how much RAM and whether they should upgrade, um, I just tell them, open Task Manager and just like do your edits for a while. And then before you like close things down, just look at Task Manager and see how much RAM is being used. Um, if you're at 80% or above, yeah, upgrading is probably gonna make a big difference because uh, it's having to like, you know, recycle RAM and get things out of there and stuff. Uh, if it's 80% or below, no, it's probably not gonna do anything for you. Um, so since you're not like running into problems right now, that's all I would do is just look at Task Manager, look at the RAM tab, and see if it's at 80% or above. Nice. Come on. He says, thanks. Sure. <laughs> Let's see, what else we got here? Uh, so there have been, I'm just, I'm kind of looking at your notes for the show oh. here. Yeah, I actually wrote down notes <laughs> like, oh, what could we possibly talk about? Well, so actually one that stood out that I, maybe I missed this, but, um, a compare so you, I know you had done a kind of forward look at the new H.264 encoding uh, mm -hmm. graphics, so they're now utilizing GPU encoding in Premiere Pro. I'm maybe I missed it or wasn't paying close enough attention, but you you do have an article comparing uh, Nvidia versus uh, AMD for this, yeah. and. Um, I'm just kind of since since we got you here and we're talking about it. What's the what's the TLDR on that? Well, here I'll, I'll share screen we'll, again. We'll bring so it up. I don't have to try to find the article. There we go. Uh, but yeah, so we looked at because we did a like you said we did an early thing when it was in beta, looking at just like very quickly kind of seeing how it was, and then we did a more involved one. Uh, looking at a whole bunch of different video cards because we wanted to see like well how much does the video card matter um like because with things when you're when you're dealing with like hardware encoding and decoding sometimes it's like because it's not actually like the gpu core being used it's like built on hardware so maybe it doesn't matter and in this case like yeah it's not really a big difference like that's 10 percent between the uh, dual 2080 ti's and a 2060 super that's not wow. really a lot it's, it's a little bit but that's not really a lot I, I think the biggest things that we found was the nvidia um implementation is way better than amd uh which that's kind of par for the course with uh adobe adobe just loves nvidia and cuda over amd and opencl I, I oh okay i don't know why but they just it, it almost always between the two you're, you're paying the same amount of money you're going to get better performance out of an nvidia card in adobe applications hmm. um, so that that's one of the things we looked at um no, life playback won't matter. Uh, I mean, because we're talking <laughs> about exporting right to A64. Oh wait, no, no. I'm I'm sorry. I was mixing things up. So so this first one up here, this is like our overall like benchmark performance. Um, okay. So this does include like GPU accelerated effects and stuff. So that that's like 10%. So like it's not a big deal. Um, exporting to A64 using the hardware encoding. That's right. It, it was like nothing uh, between like all of the RTX cards. They're all basically the same. Um, there were some interesting things like using dual GPUs was slightly faster, which shouldn't be because this hardware-based encoding only supports a single GPU. And mm -hmm. I thought it's like official from Adobe. They said it only supports a single GPU. So I'm not really sure what that is. Huh. Um, it's just kind of one of those like, yeah, huh, weird. But still, like you're not going to get another 2080 Ti to get, you know, slightly faster export times most of the time. Like sure. just even the added complication of it in your system is mean it's going to be more prone to problems. So why do it? But again, like having NVIDIA over AMD, I mean, the 1660 Ti was basically the same performance as a 5700 XT and like, wow. it's, it's, yeah, you should just go with NVIDIA. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else in there, but that's basically all it was. I mean, we looked at a bunch of different stuff of like exporting to H64 and H265 and a bunch of different bit rates, uh, all of this other stuff. And like, there is a lot of differences uh, between what you're doing, uh, but from like a hardware standpoint, it was like, nah, it's all kind of the same. Like, yeah, it, sometimes it's more important to be using a GPU over, over others, but 
yeah, it's it, it still just the answer is just use NVIDIA. Um, so, yeah. There was also a, a, a previous question was kind of a, a two-parter. Um, one, one I know is just one of these generic ones that we always end up getting um, from Zero Alpha Design on YouTube. He says, hey, any news on the new RTX 30 series? Which, no, not really. Not anything else that, you know, hasn't already been said, I think. Um, yeah. But I think the, the more interesting part of this question is, is it okay to mix different graphics cards for a rendering dual setup? I'm looking to pick up a cheap RTX 2070 and then a 30 series and then a 30 when it drops. I'm guessing uh, by rendering, you mean like um, like ray trace rendering using something like Octane Render or Arnold Render, not like Adobe stuff. Because um, any like video rendering, mm-hmm. uh, usually multi-GPU isn't going to really do anything for you unless you're using DaVinci Resolve. In DaVinci Resolve, it's like the actual rendering isn't using multiple GPUs. That's for like uh, handling open effects and noise reduction and stuff. Um, okay. And I think in that case, I think you can mix video cards technically. Ooh. Uh, you are, oh, but man, there's so many like gotchas. Uh, it's going to use whatever the lowest amount of VRAM is, which in something huh. like DaVinci Resolve, well, because it's having to do the same things on two different cards. And if one card has eight gigs of VRAM, one has like 12, well, you can't like that extra four gigs that you might need is just like, oh, missing. that makes sense. Okay. So like you can't load the same size of frames and stuff into there. So like if you're doing 4K editing, that might be a, a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the bigger thing is just how many problems you're going to have in like Windows. Um, because I mean, if, if they're very similar cards, like a 2080 and a 2080 Ti, probably not going to have an issue. Um, the biggest problem is going to be like once you get more than one like different like generation or especially right. different architectures. Oh yeah. man, Windows can screw stuff up. Like, <laughs> you might get it like working just fine, like by like installing the video driver and getting it all nice and clean and stuff. But then Windows Update's going to come along and like push an update to like one of the cards <laughs> and not the other, and then it, it's just, ugh. <laughs> So generally, I say try to avoid doing that uh, if you at all can. Uh, But there are times like um, ray trace rendering. So this is, again, talking like Octane or something like that, like 3D uh, rendering, uh, where it it can be worth the hassle just because that stuff is like so good at GPU scaling that putting another card in almost of anything is is worth it. so so for those ones it, it could be between like the a 20 series and a, the upcoming 3000 series yeah i mean it's so hard to know um because it depends on how many architecture changes they make because sure. if they're very similar cards and it's kind of like the whole like 2080 to 2080 super refresh it's like eh, whatever it's, it's basically the same thing but if they make big changes and like oh i don't know i'm just going to throw things out there like if they have like they're using different memory architecture or like different PCIe speed or I, I don't know. Uh, it, the more different they are, the more likely your system is to like start having blue screens or the applications right. crashing. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you know, making up a number. Up. Yeah, making up a number, maybe you'll increase the chance of a problem by 10%. I don't know, I'm totally making that up. But sure. so you just gotta decide for yourself, is that <laughs> slightly higher chance versus the added performance? And it just depends on how much performance it will be. Oh, so you said Octane or Redshift. Yeah. 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 I, it's probably worth doing in, in those cases, honestly. But if you ever have any problems, turn off that second card and see if those problems go away. <laughs> That would be an interesting like thing to look if if there was ever enough free time to to bother. But like, oh, what happens if you do pair a 1660 Ti with a 2070? Yeah, or, you well, know. <laughs> I, I mean, we've kind of done some of that, and then people do that all the time. Like, usually you can find in forums people talking about it, and and something like Octane and Redshift. I think it's officially supported, so like it should work. And That's I don't think Octane or Redshift is going to be your problem. Right, Windows is going to be your problem. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can just imagine the, the drivers, driver yeah. issues is, driver is probably going to be the biggest thing. You know, you go to download one for the 2070 and then another for the other. And it's and those are going to be totally different. 
drivers. Well, they're supposed to be. They should be the same drivers. They should be. Yeah. Um, you know, the same driver package and stuff. That's, that's why I think it's mostly going to be Windows Update. Just like, hey, there's an update for this video card. <laughs> okay, great. What about the other one? Well, I'm not looking at that one right now. Right. Great. Okay, thanks. That would be funny. I don't know. There'd be interesting little connects. Because I know, like, with, like, NVLink and things like that, they are... They're generally pretty strict they have to be like the same mm -hmm. even even almost almost to the point of manufacturer like it has to be the almost the exact same card yeah so, but when you're talking about ray tracing like all you're doing is simulating light rays sure. so like each ray goes to like a different core on a gpu anyway so does it really matter if they're on two different gpus or the two gpus are like different speeds technically no so huh. for, again for those it's not the application that's the problem Oh, oh, this is a good one uh, that I've I've been hearing about the last couple times. Um, the new After Effects Roto Brush. Wow, that thing's that, awesome. Yeah, that Roto seems really too. really cool, right? Yeah. yeah so that's very exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, I was just playing least. around with it even the other day, and like that's neat because I am really bad at rotoscoping because <laughs> I don't do it very often. Sure, sure. Yeah, but, like, it's it's amazingly good. <laughs> Is that so? Is that, that's that's leveraging probably Sensei, right? From from Adobe, it's, it's oh, a yeah. very oh, yeah, like AI kind of backed thing. Yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, what's really interesting with a lot of this stuff is like there's a lot of overlap, so it's kind of like the um, object selection in Photoshop, right? That they're like kind of bringing to After Effects. Uh, maybe I might even be able to show kind of what is I see here. I, okay. I thought I saw it related to iPad, but I might be mixing that up with something else. Um, actually, that just brings on to a whole other topic about how robust Adobe's like iPad apps are. Yeah, it's, it's constantly blowing my mind how how powerful they are making those. Let me see if I can do. Oh man, so this is a terrible video. I think it was just like a test video oh. or something. <laughs> Um, but it, it's so good. Like you, you just select it and you say, this is me. And just like Photoshop, like you can refine, say, no, that's that's not me. That's not me. That is me. That is me. It might have oh. a problem here with my beard. Oh, I see the, the little and red you, you edge. Get, yeah, you get the edge. And then you can just like scrub forward. This actually work. I haven't done like this clip. Six, seven, eight. Okay, I guess there's only eight frames. But it'll like, oh, it like, well, like it lost my ear, <laughs> whatever. But like, <laughs> see, it's, it's like tracking you. And so you can do it. It's just like way fast rotoscoping. Like you have to um, go back and fix stuff and stuff. This isn't a very good demo, so I'm going to switch back because <laughs> my computer's not that fast. <laughs> no, that's all right. It'll take a while. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's so much better. And for, um, I, I, I saw some videos of people talking about it, like they were outside with like trees behind them and stuff and just like dancing. And like, it just, you just kind of like say, no, this is the subject and then go. That's um, so cool. And I, I man, and the one step beyond this, like, which is again, nothing beyond, nothing official from Adobe or anything, but Photoshop has the um, select subject. So you don't even yeah. like select anything or like in my case, you draw a box Ooh. from here to here and mm -hmm. it would just know like, oh, this is probably what you want. And it would select that subject. Right. So it's, it's probably that's just like the next step. You just say like, I want you to rotoscope this area, figure out what it is I want. And it just yeah. figures out what you want and it tracks it. That's like, amazing. That's, oh, that'll be so good because the, like that whole object selection thing in Photoshop is pretty darn good. It's very, very accurate. Um, I did it a few months ago. Yeah, it's it, it, for I, I was just kind of cutting people a, a person out of uh, a solid background. So I probably not gave it a very easy task to do, but it it was fantastic. They, they're doing such amazing. Yeah, I mean, all of these tools right, right now, especially like it's designed to get you 90% of the way there. So like, yeah. it's not going to be perfect. You're just still going to have to do some refining, sure. but it gets rid of 90% of that work. <laughs> so that's, you just have to deal with the refining and making well, it perfect. And especially if I've, I've in, in these talks, I've heard uh, whether directly or just somewhat tangentially, like rotoscoping sucks. 
Yes. Nobody likes having to do that. And and just for for anybody who doesn't already know, rotoscoping is when you you cut somebody out and like and then paste them kind of into something else. It it's I think that's super simplify yes. oversimplifying the concept, but like oftentimes you got to do frame by frame mm-hmm. by frame. And for when you have a 10, 20 minute or more, God forbid you're doing this on like a feature length film, like <laughs> That's why, it's like, so the, the, the like, credits at the end of, like, a movie, you know, nowadays, like, if you watch, there'll be, like, there'll be whole sections for, like, rotoscoping, like, whole it's, companies that do this. That's all they just, do. like, yeah. dozens and dozens of people. That's, that's all they did. Hey, I just yeah. did this for a year. I rotoscoped frame by frame. I oh. cut people out and pasted them into, or, or yeah, it just, it's mind-boggling. The, I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the, here's a, another question from YouTube from Zero Hour. Um, he says this is a little unrelated, but why are more applications not utilizing the GPU more? Like, couldn't couldn't that be useful in something like optical character recognition? Um, well, I think that's kind of a two part. Um, so I think the big thing is GPU is still fairly new for a lot of things. Like CPUs have been around forever. They've been using it forever for so many different things. And porting code over from running on the CPU to a GPU is not as easy. It's just like changing the, in the config file, GPU equals one or something. <laughs> uh, so it, it's a lot of complicated. Um, plus you have like different SDK versions. So like if you want to use CUDA, CUDA is I'm not a developer, but from what I understand, like it's very well documented, very easy to work with, but there's so many different versions. Like if you have an older video card, um, you know, it might just not work or you have to update to the latest versions of CUDA and stuff. So it's not as like universal. Plus then you have like, well, what if they have an AMD GPU? What if they don't have a GPU and they're just using like integrated graphics? So anything that you make GPU uh, capable, you also have to make, you have to make for AMD, NVIDIA, and like fall back on CPU. Um, so I think that's part of it is just, it is more complicated, uh, but it, man, it can be so much faster for the right things, but right. not everything is right for GPU. Um, yep. Great example is uh, like a lot of things in like After Effects would be terrible for the GPU because it's doing things like frame by frame. It has to do things like in a certain order. So it's, uh, what we would call single threaded. Like it's only going to use a right. single core on your CPU, just the nature of how it works. Uh, it's just, that that's what it is. Um, and GPUs are really bad at those kind of things, but they're really good at when it's super highly parallel because right. uh, like, GPUs have thousands of cores. But making something scale that well is actually very, very, very difficult. Like, yeah. Uh, there's some things like uh, we we're talking about ray tracing before where you're just simulating uh, light rays. Yeah. That's super easy to scale. That's why I like things like Octane or Redshift have like amazing scaling with video cards. Um, but, you know, anything else and it, it comes down to uh, if you really want to nerd out about it, you can look up Omdel's Law. Um, we've done some <laughs> stuff on it in the past, but it's, it's basically any slight loss in efficiency of scaling across multiple cores. It has a um, really hugely significant impact. Like you can be 99% efficient and that's considered crap. Like that's not good enough. Yeah. Because like, oh, after four cores, you're just not seeing any speed up anymore. Uh, it just falls off so fast. Um, but for things like, I don't know, th- but there's a lot of good frameworks that are, are starting to come out. Um, like there's even like Windows ML, uh, Windows machine okay. learning framework that like, I mm-hmm. think that mm-hmm. uses GPU natively. So if you're doing anything like machine learning, like, man, yeah, that should be running on the GPU. I think, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of a reason why you wouldn't run that on GPU because all these frameworks already exist. Yeah. Or like even in like Adobe stuff, they've got their whole Sensei stuff. Um, and that, yeah, that stuff all uses the GPU because it's just super good for that kind of a thing. Um, so I think it just depends on how you're doing it. Like I think you mentioned optical character recognition. Well, if you're doing that with machine learning, yeah, man, you should. But I think right. a lot of the apps that are out there kind of doing that are still doing it with like legacy code. They're not upgrading to this new version. Uh, but like uh, Photoshop has the new like font thing where like you select uh, some text and it tries to tell you what font it is. That, oh, neat. That's 100% machine learning. Yeah, so must that's, be. that's using your GPU. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and I imagine too, especially when it comes to like, like say Adobe, they're like, oh, I think Adobe catches a lot of flack for not implementing, despite 
the advances they've made, especially in recent years, but for not implementing more GPU-related, like, I suppose machine learning or just more GPU-accelerated stuff, you gotta think, they're, they've built... I, I imagine there hasn't been a major, like, structural code rewrite for an Adobe application in 10 years like they're oh, probably just stacks stacks on it, stacks on stacks of old code yeah. <laughs> and it's, so it's, it's probably pretty bad if you actually were a developer it's, I'm, I'm sure they I, find code like oh this is from version 1.0 50 years ago or you know and ago. so yeah trying to implement what is essentially because yeah I, I think there's a perspective um issue too is like it's only been in the last few years that has there really been this explosion of gpu accelerated everything and and so you know people are still learning how to do it and and what it can be used for and then there's still like you know oh i have this cool idea can i use gpu compute for this well, yes or no, and then you have to try and figure it out, and that takes months or years just to just to test and figure yeah. out if you can. So we're still we're still very very in the very beginning stages of what we can even do with all of this. And, um, and there's some like times where it, it sounds like it'll be awesome, and it turns out not to be. Uh, mm -hmm. Prime example: um, DaVinci Resolve. Uh, so there's Red Red Media. It's a it's a type of codec, uh, and uh -huh. it uses the GPU for debayering. It's taking the raw sensor data from your camera and turning it into like a usable image for editing. Okay. Um, okay. And that's used the GPU for debayering for a very long time, um, and that's one of the reasons why I love it. And like I like it when our customers say they're using Red because like we can just throw a more powerful GPU at it and it'll make it better. Um, but they added in their SDK, the Red SDK for like processing Red footage, um, the ability to decode the footage using the GPU as well. Um, oh. And so like that was supposed to be this huge thing, like oh it'll be absolutely amazing. It means you can edit like 8K media even on like a laptop. And there's a ton of like publicity around it, especially from like Nvidia before it launched, and then a lot and like no one's heard anything <laughs> oh and the reason why is because it turns out like we, we've i think we have a whole article on this it turns out that when you do both the debayering and the decoding on the gpu you're overloading your gpu oh. in a lot of cases so your gpu is running at 100 and your cpu is sitting over here like hey, i'm sitting here at like two percent five percent because i'm not doing anything <laughs> i'm just waiting on the video card uh, so in a lot of cases, it's just like as long as you have like a mid-range CPU or above, it's better to keep that decoding on the CPU because it's like just sitting there with idle cycles and keep just the debayering on the video card because that spreads out the load across multiple you know components. So it's actually faster to not be doing that stuff on the GPU because it's already under a heavy load. Um, and the really hard thing with something like that is they have an option in the settings for like well, what do you want to use the GPU for? Debayering or debayering and decoding? And well, which one? The only way to know on your own computer based on your video card and your CPU is just to, like try it either way and then find out which one's better. Sure. Um, so like, that's kind of annoying though. Like you have to know that settings <laughs> there. You have to try both ways and do like test exports or test playback and then decide which one is right for you and, and then use it. <laughs> so this whole like move everything to GPU, that's not the right answer. Answer, um, right for any of this like gpus are insanely powerful but if we move everything there then like the cpu is just not going to be doing anything and right like so it, it's, it's always going to be a balance and that's kind of the same reason why like sometimes people will say like wow man my cpu is only running at 40 percent my gpu is at like 40 percent too where's my bottleneck it's like no right you're, that's good it's just that means that like your cpu is doing stuff your gpu is doing stuff and like yeah they're both idle sometimes but it's still faster than and if like your CPU is 100%, like that's, yeah. that's not good. You don't want anything at 100%. That means yeah. you got a bottleneck. Yeah, it's a, I mean, yeah, it sounds to me like this, for me at least if i had saw that situation that's good you want to spread that out you don't you don't want either either side you don't want any of your components to be maxed out rams like it bugs me when when i'll see my like i know my my steam downloads are being held back by my hard drive write speed yeah you know like my downloads have to wait for the hard drive to catch up first and then it's it's 
It's tough. I mean, because there's always going to be something that's limiting it. Uh, yeah, of course. More and more, as we're using more and more different parts to do processing, the things that are going to limit it are actually the invisible things. So it's like the bus transfer speed, the PCIe speed, the uh, memory read and write speed, because you're moving things around. Um, so it's all these invisible things that, like, there's no way to log that kind of stuff. And right. I think that's why it's so important. To, like, when we do our benchmarks, like, we don't even look at load percentages. Like, who cares? Who cares what the CPU load is? What right. matters is like, does upgrading the CPU do anything for performance? Because oftentimes it can, like the CPU might sit there at 40% load and upgrading the CPU gives you a nice performance bump. Like, great. That's all I care about. I care about the right. performance. I don't care about what Windows says the load is. Yeah. Uh, oh, this one has come up. Um, I think I saw it in a comment on one of our articles, um, but now that it's fresh in mind uh, from Twitch, Neor Matrix is asking, are you guys testing hardware for that new 12K camera that is coming out? Editing 12K raw footage, raw 12K footage. It's called the Ursa Min Pro. Yeah, the Ursa Mini Pro. Yeah, at some point. Um, I, I've been meaning to do just like a post just with some testing using the, um, because the, Blackmagic puts out sample files that you can sure. just download and run. The problem with us with like benchmarks is we like having our benchmarks, the ability for anybody to run them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we have permission to like redistribute those kind of sample files. Oh, so sure. we have to find someone who has that camera, who's willing to test, shoot a couple of test clips for us, send those to us and that we, that way we can, you know, integrate it into our um, stuff. But, and I don't know if, See, I haven't really seen anyone do much about this. Um, yeah. But my concern is that if you're actually trying to edit 12K natively, I don't know if you could have enough video RAM to do that without going up to like an RTX 8000 with 48 gigs of RAM, a video Dang. RAM. Because wow. even like 8K needs like a video card with 20 gigs of VRAM um, or else you're just going to get out wow. of GPU memory errors. Right. Um, so yeah, like you need way more. Um, but, and then the other side of things is, well, you could also take that 12K and drop it into an 8K timeline and then you don't need as much video RAM. But I don't know, like every time I've done testing like that, where I take like 8K red and drop it into a 4K timeline, it's really not that much different than it's just a 4K red clip in a 4K timeline. Huh. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, we also have aren't doing any Blackmagic raw like tests at all right now, okay. and that is again something that I want to do. Um, I do want to add at some point. It's just kind of weird right now because like Resolve is the only application that has good Blackmagic raw support. Like there is oh. plugins. Like Blackmagic has a plugin for Premiere, How about that? but everything I've heard is it's terrible. Like yeah. it's just awful and crashes like, <laughs> bad so um it might be one of those things where like well once it's better supported across multiple apps then we'll have to worry about it more um, yeah the one thing yeah. we can do and that we, we do this for a number of like potential customers right now is if that is a concern for you make sure you talk with one of our reps and um if you can send us a test clip even if it's like from the black magic site and we can do like okay we'll test it on a couple of different kinds of hardware and we'll tell you what the performance is so that you know what you're getting you before go. you get the system like we do that all the time for customers and like it's well worth it yeah right on i mean it, it just seems to me like um I don't know. The question comes to me is like, who, who's really, for one, it's like bleeding edge. This is brand spanking new stuff. But who's really going to be using this? Oh, YouTubers. And, Come on, man. Oh, YouTubers. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All those like YouTubers who have red 8K cameras. It's like, why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, and so uh, it's like, yeah, we probably will, but not until it becomes a little bit more like commonplace i suppose yeah it's always it's tough even, with like the testing we do because like the reason we do our testing is to help our customers like right straight up and so like we have to justify what we spend our time on with whether it's going to be useful to our customers and i mean from a, just a purely like money standpoint well, it has to convert into workstation sales i mean really sure right? but, uh, um, but also like just the community at large because like it comes back around to who's really using these cameras mm -hmm. and and is it really a, a it's a what is it a solution looking for a problem you know if we yeah, if we were to if we were to test it like is this valuable information for anybody because three people out there are actually using this this kind of footage 
Yeah, I mean, I think there'll be more. I think a lot of people who get one of these cameras, they're not going to actually be shooting at 12K all the time. They're going to use right. that very rarely. I can uh, just imagine. I mean, you, you can't even deliver anything. The data. Like, the, oh, the, it's got to be nuts. 8, 8K, like just 8K raw, I think is is in the gigabytes per minute. Like you, you fill up, you fill up one of those like red cartridges in eight minutes or something like that. It's insane. It's like you fill up 40 gigs like that. And so 12, you've, you're probably packing a, a whole NAS just to, just to record with like, that's gotta be insane. Like, I can't imagine the, the storage solution necessary to film at, at that high of a resolution. Yeah. I mean, it, that's also kind of a weird thing because they have different compression levels and red does this too. Oh, sure. So like, okay. Yeah. You could shoot at a really high compression level and that way it's not as much storage, but then it's harder to process afterwards even more and at a certain point like why are you shooting at 12k with such high compression that it looks worse than 8k at lower compression but but yeah it's 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 an interesting one and and 12k is just so cutting edge like already on a lot of our tests i sometimes skip over our 8k tests simply because people don't there's not a lot of people doing it Sure. Um, and so 12K is just even a step beyond that. So I yeah. think it's going to be one of those things where like we include it in some of our tests, but we don't always do it just because, I mean, the more time we spend on those kind of things is less time we can spend on things that apply to a greater number of people. Mm-hmm. So it, it's always a tough balance. I mean, we only, we only have so many hours in the day. We only have so many people we can afford to pay. Um, so, you know, what's more useful, um, uh, being able to test Premiere Pro, After Effects, Photoshop and Lightroom, or do Premiere Pro and include 12K and 8K, but not be able to test Lightroom. Well, that's for the yeah. people that are in Premiere Pro. Yeah, totally do that. But for like, Everybody, well, all those photographers now were kind of, you know, are getting nothing. Plus, this also, like, is a, a good, I think, a good opportunity to plug the fact that, hey, you, the folks at home, can totally take our benchmarks and try this out on your own. Um, it may not be quite the, you know, we'd have we have access to a lot more different hardware and things like that. But just to kind of give an idea of what you are capable of, and then as lo- as we collect that data from everybody else, we can have an opportunity to have a kind of more of that sort of in-depth conversation about, well, you know, looking at, at the benchmark results that we've collected, you know, we can kind of make some assumptions there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But man, yeah. And what happened? So just this is a bit of a joke, kind of half jokey question. But if we're going to jump from eight to 12K, what happened to 10? Like it looked like there was it's like they were stepping in twos. So did we just forget about 10K or from kind of 1K ish to 2K (laughs) to 4K to 8K? There's six. There's six K. We we offer a system even. Yeah. Like, yeah, not many people do (laughs) Some people do. No. Uh, but I mean, the real question is, why didn't we just go straight to 16K? I mean, yeah. Why didn't we just double 8K and go to 16K? But yeah, I mean, all of this stuff, like, I'm trying to think of why you would shoot in 12K. And it's kind of just the same thing as like 8K. Like, it, it depends on where you're going. Like, if you're going for, uh, this is going to be people going to be watching it at home, 8K is overkill already. Like, sure. 4K in a lot of times is, is overkill. Um, like, you, you the human eye cannot see the difference between you know 4K <laughs> and 2K on most people's like home cinemas. Like you have right. to have a giant screen way too close to you to see a difference. <laughs> on it. Um, in terms of like pixel density, I mean you you can talk about like um, the like compression and stuff. That's a totally different topic. But like pixel density um, and yeah. like 12K, like even like IMAX, I think. Maybe IMAX if you're in like the first couple of rows. Um, so, so it's more for things like digital reframing. Um, it, I'm sure it'd be great for um, like some VFX kind of work where you really need that higher pixel density that then you're going to turn down to like 4K or something to deliver sure. later. But yeah, I am going to be really interested to see like who is using 12K in a like 
I, I don't want to say serious, but like where 8K wouldn't be, wouldn't cut it kind of scenario. Because hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious if like, if did Blackmagic actually release this as a solution to a problem? Or is it a, hey, we got bigger numbers. Yay. Right. It's, right. you know, it happens all the time in marketing. You just get a bigger <laughs> number. It's the whole yep. AMD versus Intel for naming scheme. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Now there's the X570 chipset. It's way better than the Z490 chipset because it's bigger number. Right. Great. Now, now, now like Intel can't make a Z590 chipset because AMD's done that. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what did they do with the. It was like the the 99 naming scheme and, and AMD like cut them off with the at one point. Oh, um, yeah. Something like the X299 to 399 or something like that. Oh, they, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, they do that. OK, this is getting out of tangent. But AMD <laughs> does that all the time. And it's one of the things that annoys me about AMD <laughs> is that like, why can't you just have your own product scheming names? Why do you have to like look at what Intel's doing and then do whatever one number, one, what, one whatever's bigger. the next logical step, you know, you know, yeah, cut in and take over yeah. that one. That, that just, that just causes confusion for everyone. Like yeah. then you have people who like aren't really that tech literate and they look at, well, Intel has this X299 platform, but man, AMD has an X399. I'll go that way. And it's like, no, it's not. It, it's yeah. Totally it doesn't different. work that way. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way. But for the people that aren't <laughs> super heavy into tech, like, you know, it's like if, if I was looking at two cars and one's a V8 and one's a V10, I would assume that the V10 is a bigger engine or a right. powerful engine. Yeah. And it's like, nope, nope, never mind. Nope, that's a bicycle. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, actually, that, that I think that brings us to uh, that, that we're just at our hour mark. So if, if there's any other questions, you guys get them in right now. Otherwise, um, you know, we're, we'll say... Uh, say goodbye that, that went very very swift is there anything yeah. you would like to mention before we go um oh um i'm just looking over my notes if there's anything else to mention about things the only other thing really that I had on my notes that we might want to bring up is um adobe max they they did announce Ooh, that it's right. a free event this year so hey. you can go to uh, max.adobe.com and sign up for adobe max um that'll be cool which it's kind of a, it's a october 20th and 22nd like that's an event we always go to and it's one of our best events of the year this year obviously it's gonna be weird i don't even know if we're a sponsor i think maybe we're a sponsor still i don't know it's a weird event this year yeah. It's, it's, it's a kind of a funny one that like it's free this year, but like in the past, you could always watch all the sessions afterwards, like a week delayed and watch all the sessions for free. Yeah. But now it's free live, I guess. <laughs> and if you sign up, I think they have like entered to win swag. So you, you can, you can win some Adobe swag. Ooh, maybe all right. Probably not. Nice. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if so, it's free, you just got to set up like, you know, bot accounts and there you go. All those, all those one-off, like, uh, what are those destructible emails that only last for 24 hours? Or just, if you use a Gmail, just put a plus sign and then anything afterwards right. and it goes to your main email. That's right. I use that uh, all the time. We use that for all of our uh, creative cloud uh, accounts that we use for testing. <laughs> so so wanna... one last one last little bit uh matthias i think the thing is gonna be matthias nyholm on youtube is asking for zen 3 predictions oh man who knows which which is always a little touchy for us because there i know and i think you have a similar problem we know a lot more than the general public sometimes and it fuzzes out in my mind like should i talk about this is it okay wait i know this but can i say this yeah and so is i tend this NDA to just, or is this public <laughs> like i just tend not to i just i don't know yeah it, and that's what is that? really I don't hard even, thing for us i usually my it. answer is ah we'll just have to wait and see i mean because honestly even if we were allowed to like talk about you know something that amd told us honestly i wouldn't trust it i don't right. trust anything that amd or intel or nvidia it's, or adobe or anybody says pre-launch you can't um, i i'm always a, a pusher on that of like one i don't like getting into rumor and and that kind of that talk but two you can't trust marketing period there's Except too many us. to our, our marketing totally. well our marketing is a little different our marketing is <laughs> like has replicatable data backed yeah like results but i'm talking about when amd's up on a stage or nvidia's up on a stage and they show you a bar graph that says our stuff is 30 percent faster but with no no z or x or you know x or y mm -hmm. axis no comparison against what 30 percent faster than what 
than yeah. you know my cereal box like i cannot flat out don't, don't i um I, I get riled up about it even it, it bugs me oh <laughs> especially bar graphs bar graphs yeah. kill me in marketing all the time i hate it <laughs> This is what I, I probably shouldn't even say this because this is going to be really poking at AMD. Uh, but uh, on one of their recent launches, they had um, a chart showing that, like, whatever this video card was, it's as fast as this NVIDIA video card that is, you know, this much more expensive. And, like, okay, great. It's, it's as fast, but it's cheaper. The problem is the test that they showed was a CPU based test. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, the, when the video card doesn't matter, it's as fast as the higher end video or the, the right. more expensive video card. It's like, great, but that, and that's, that's a CPU test. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So you always have to, thing. it's always hard because, like, those marketing departments, like, it's not always like engineers who or people who really know. They just like, oh, here's a whole bunch of numbers and this one looks good. So, right. Uh, oh, here's a just I suppose just if we can go just a little bit longer. This is a good question. Um, is your pre-configured recommended system for Adobe Premiere Pro setup adequate for VR gaming? Yeah, almost always it's going to be fine. Um, the biggest thing is like a lot of our Premiere Pro systems, they start off with kind of more mid-range GPUs because usually video editing, you don't need a high-end GPU. It's going to be just as fast as mid-range. Uh, whereas VR gaming, you're going to want a little bit beefier of a video card. So that's probably really the only difference is you'll want to turn up the video card a little bit more than otherwise we'd recommend for Premiere Pro. Other than that, like, yeah, CPU's fine, RAM's fine, storage's fine. Right on. Well, all right. I think that'll be that's a good place to end it. So thank you, Matt, for joining us. Uh, you know, on for an hour today. Um, and thank you guys, the audience as well, for joining us. Uh, we do this sort of thing every Wednesday and Friday at one p.m. Wednesdays we bring in industry experts to to uh, kind of talk about their workflow and things going on in their industries. And on Fridays we bring in our labs experts to talk about kind of that crossover of the hardware and software, kind of giving updates on uh, where we're at on the forefront of those sort of. Uh, um, industries so thanks matt for coming on Absolutely. always right on and uh so we'll see you guys next time next wednesday we're having uh eugene capon of camp uh studio capon coming on uh and that'll be wednesday at 1 p.m so mark your calendars for that and and stay tuned to the social media stuff as well uh it's always getting broadcast out on that so we'll go see you guys next time yeah.